0: Three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Lift off. We have a lift
1: down. Well, we've had two nights of the proverbial monkeys flinging poo exhibit at the zoo. The Democrats on stage two nights in a row. My goodness gracious. Welcome, it's Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 a.m. 750 WSB, the full number 404 872 wsb talk I did not get to see last night's Democrat debate live. I had a, an important dinner meeting out in Palo Alto, California last night, I am working on three hours of sleep and probably seven or eight cups of coffee. So if I fall over dead during the show, it's, it's, I overdosed on caffeine, uh, trying to say, wait, get back here. I, I, I got back about, oh, 45 minutes ago and yes, while I was on the plane, I had to track down the debate and watch it because wow, I needed to do show prep. And show prep involved the debate. So let's get to it. Let's break down the debate. We'll take your phone calls, your reaction as well if you watched it. I hope you didn't suffer through it uh, or the one the night before. But my phone number here, again, 404-872-0750-1800, WSB-TALK. I, I want to begin with the uh, Kamala Harris-Joe Biden situation. Um, this, it was a brutal exchange, it seemed, It seemed, this is important, it seemed a lot of white liberals buzzing about it. Let's just play the Kamala Harris soundbite.
0: And I'm going to now direct this at Vice President Biden. Um, I do not believe you are a racist. And I agree with you when you commit yourself to the importance of finding common ground. Mm -hmm. But I also believe, and it is personal, and I was actually very, it was hurtful to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. And it was not only that, but you also worked with them to oppose busing. And, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools, and she was bused to school every day. And that
1: little girl was me. A powerful moment for her, undoubtedly. And and I got to say, Kamala Harris, after this debate, comes across as the person on either stage, either night, who wants it the most that she would knife her grandmother in the back if her grandmother stood between her and the presidency. Um, She seems to very, very much want it. And that was a powerful, powerful soundbite, except there's a problem. Did you know that historically busing was not actually popular in the black community as a means to an e- end, the means being the way to desegregate schools? It was looked unfavorably, but it actually took children out of their neighborhoods and broke up neighborhood schools. And so um, the polling on it, there's always been a lot of skepticism that it that it polled as well as people actually liked it. And we're starting to see that in some of the polling that's come out. Uh, Stan Greenberg, of course, is the he and James Carville run Democracy Core. Democracy Core is a Democratic polling firm that kind of dives deep into where voters are. And let me just read you the overnight data from Democracy Core. And again, Stan Greenberg does really good polling, and he reached out to African American voters who watched the debate. And Joe Biden's favorability went up 18 points. Went up 18 points up, not down, up 18 points after last night's debate. Why would that be? Well, there there are some things happening out there. And let's step back from the debate, if we can, for just a minute. And let me note a few things for you. You, you You can sound smart this weekend if the debate comes up. If you go back to 2008 and go back to 2016, uh, something happened in those two elections that rarely ever happens in American history, at least in modern American history. The sitting vice president of the sitting president did not run for office. Dick Cheney did not run for George W. Bush. And Joe Biden did not run for Barack Obama. Now republican voters white republican voters moved sharply to the right after 2008 and one of the reasons i have always thought that they did is because republican voters were not emotionally invested in defending george w bush's legacy against the democrats because his vice president dick cheney did not run if cheney ran he would have been the nominee And if he was the nominee, Republicans would have doubled down in defense of George W. Bush's legacy. Instead, they had liberty to run from it. The same happens in 2016. In 2016, Joe Biden doesn't run. Hillary Clinton does. And she's more worried on bringing back Bill's legacy than defending Barack Obama's legacy. So it begins to allow white progressives to have permission to move beyond Barack Obama. One of the things they've noted all along is that he was a disaster for Democrats in every other election but his own, and that he didn't go as far as he could have given the power that he had and given that he had the the White House and Congress for two years and he squandered it all on a half measure for health care instead of going the distance. Uh, so progressives now are willing to go all in on Medicaid for all. They're willing to go all in on Uh, illegal immigrant health care. They're willing to go all in on student loans because they don't think Barack Obama did enough. And because Joe Biden didn't run for him in 2016, they did not have, have to double down on defense of Obama. They were allowed then free reign to chart a new course. But there's an exception to this you need to understand to understand what's going on out there and why I still think the odds are in Biden's favor, even if not as strongly as they once were. So here's the situation. I I was very, very careful with my wording. White Republicans and white progressives were able and willing and wanted to to move beyond the legacies of their incumbent presidents and had the latitude to do so because the sitting vice president wasn't running. So there was no obligation to defend the incumbent president's legacy. Unless you're a black voter and the overwhelming number of them are Barack Obama's voters, they have to defend Barack Obama's legacy. Here's something that people, if you're if you've lived in the South for a very long time, you you have seen this. Whenever there is a first black official elected, if there is any sort of taint in the electoral person's um, path to victory, if there's any sort of taint or corruption in their administration, uh, it is labeled among some elements in the white community as well you know that it's, it's just that black community you, you know this happens it, it is a product of racism it exists don't deny it uh, it, it exists all, all across the south it exists in other parts of the of the nation as well it does it is wrong but it exists and so black voters historically because these things have happened have, felt the need to defend their electoral gains as legit. They don't want them to be delegitimized through uh, allegations of uh, corruption, race, anything like that. And they've got cause to do it, given uh, history in this country. Barack Obama was the first black president of the United States. Uh, Black voters in this country have cause to defend his legacy. And part of Barack Obama's legacy is he picked Joe Biden as his vice president. And because he picked Joe Biden as his vice president, and that vice president is now running, black voters in this country like Joe Biden, and they do not like people besperching Joe Biden as a racist or a segregationist or an apologist for the same, because Biden served loyally for Barack Obama, and they are very defensive of the Obama legacy which is also now the Biden legacy. So it is not a surprise to me in any way, shape, or form that Joe Biden's favorability has gone up 18 points, 18 points. That's net, not not gross, net points with black voters after last night's debate. And again, uh, contrary to what you hear in the media, uh, the, the jury is still out on whether busing in the 60s and 70s was actually popular in the black community. It certainly was as an end-to-end segregation, but at a personal family level, there are a lot of black voters in this country who saw it as deeply disruptive of their communities because it, it squashed neighborhood schools. And in the north, in white parts of the north in particular, in the Boston area and whatnot, you got to remember there were people like the Kennedys who worked very hard to undermine it. And they didn't like it either. And made it very difficult. So there are some bad memories that associate. There are good memories as well. Kamala Harris is one. But it's more complicated than what the media would have you believe. But the bottom line here is that Joe Biden is part of Barack Obama's legacy. And black voters in this country want to defend Barack Obama's legacy. So they've got to defend Joe Biden. But it's not a they have to do it, it's a they want to do it. They want to do it because they know that Barack Obama wouldn't have picked a racist to be his vice president. And so for people to be attacking Joe Biden as a racist, even though Kamala Harris didn't say it and said she doesn't think he is, I mean, there are certainly some implications there. The black community is going to defend Joe Biden because they view it as defending Barack Obama and they have every reason to do it. White progressives have moved on. Uh, Black voters, they're not. This This was a big historic moment getting Barack Obama elected. They're not going to see white progressives who disagree with them on every other cultural issue now suddenly throw Barack Obama under the bus to get to Joe Biden. I've been telling you guys for a while now about my Quip Electro toothbrush, how much I like it. Yes, to answer your question, I actually have used it well before they started sponsoring this podcast or even my radio show. I like the Quip. I like the Quip because I bought one of those $99 fancy electric toothbrushes several years ago, and it was crap. I mean, it really was crap. Uh, the brush head was tiny, uh, but it was designed on such a head that was so big I couldn't get it to the back of my mouth. You had to ch- take a charger with it. It just—it it was a garbage, terrible design. and pay $99 for something like that, and the Quip's only $25, and you can tell it was designed by designers. It is that great. Well, they've now got one for kids. It is the same great two-minute timer. It pulses every 30 seconds so they can move it around their mouth. They can brush just like a grown-up, but it's kid-sized, kid-friendly, still well-designed by Dennis and Designers Together. I cannot recommend the Quip enough. I have tried the super cheap $3 battery-powered ones at the grocery store. I've tried the $99 super expensive ones. Y'all, the Quip is the best toothbrush I've ever used. I hope it will be for you as well. I love it. Now, it starts at $25 if you go to getquip.com slash eric right now you'll even get your first brush head refill pack for free what's that well every three months you get a new brush head to keep your brush heads great Uh, otherwise they're five bucks but you know what every three months you get it for five bucks the first one though you get for free go to getquip.com that's g-e-t-q-u-i-p.com slash eric It's me. It's me. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB talk. Let's go to Dan calling from Cleveland. Dan, welcome. How are you?
0: I'm doing pretty good. And you? Good. Good. Thanks for taking my call. You made reference to the fact, and I'll agree with you, that if uh, Cheney was not elected, he rode on the coattails more or less of Bush, and Biden wasn't elected vice president. He was just part of the ticket. With that in mind, we've had one president who was never elected to any office ever. Local, state, any office, any time. Got any idea who that was?
1: Never elected to any office at all. No
0: political office. He was never elected to political office.
1: And not even to the presidency?
0: Nope, not even the presidency.
1: Okay, Who?
0: Chester Arthur.
1: Chester Arthur?
0: He was, when Garfield was assassinated, he became president. He never was elected.
1: Oh, you know, yeah. No,
0: of course, now Gerald Ford was never elected. Yeah, I I, I
1: thought you were talking about Ford until you said no office ever, and he was, uh, he he had been elected to Congress.
0: Yeah, he was elected to Congress. But Chester Arthur was a customs agent. And he ran on the ticket with Garfield. Garfield was assassinated, and he became president. And I don't know if he didn't run or if he lost the election. I think he lost the election. I think he ran and lost, but he was never elected to any office.
1: Well, all right. This is this is this is great, like Jeopardy-style trivia. There. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I appreciate it. Thanks very much, Dan. I appreciate that very much. I, I, you know, I hadn't thought about that one. Yeah. Chester Arthur. He had been. Let's see. Uh, Pull this up here. He'd been quartermaster general for the New York militia, inspector general, New York militia, engineer in chief of of the New York militia, then the 21st collector of the Port of New York, the 10th chairman of the New York State Republican Executive Committee. Then he became the 20th vice president and the 21st president of the United States. Fascinating. All right. Now. I want to spend a little more time on the debate last night. Eric Swalwell is, it, it makes me regret that he has my name. Thankfully, he spells it differently. But this guy, he's, he's not very bright, is he? I mean, he he really isn't a bright person. We need to get into his him trying to go after Joe Biden. And also, Butter Judge really doesn't like Christians in America while claiming to be one. Welcome back, it's Eric Erickson, the phone number, 404 872 750 I'd really like to get through this audio of, of the Democratic debate and then we can be rid of it. Um, there is one aspect of it that needs to be pointed out, though. Very few people saw the debate. I mean, the, the media will hype a lot of the numbers, but very few people ultimately saw the debate. More people watched last night than the night before. But most Americans did not. And on top of that, MSNBC has greatly restricted how much of the debates can be recirculated. They had an exclusive agreement. So C-SPAN and other news outlets were not allowed to cover the debates. And so they've largely ignored the debates. Uh, So you can expect them to fade very quickly, which means uh, any of this blowback against Joe Biden probably isn't going to ultimately hurt him. Uh, But they did pile on him last night, and he did look old and tired, and that that may long-term be a problem. And he's got his his staff. His staff is selling him out. Uh, On background, staffers working for Joe Biden continue to whisper critically against him, which is just amazing. He's got this problem. He also had the the dim-witted Eric Swalwell going after him last night.
0: I was six years old when a presidential candidate came to the california democratic convention and said it's time to pass the torch to a new generation of americans that candidate was then senator joe biden joe biden was right when he said it was time to pass the torch to a new generation of americans 32 years ago he's still right today if we're going to solve the issues of automation pass the torch if we're going to solve the issues of climate chaos pass the torch if we're going to solve the issue of student loan debt pass the torch. If we're going to end gun violence for families who are fearful of sending their kids to school, pass the torch. Vice President, would you like to sing a torch I song? I would. <laughs> I'm still holding on to that torch. I want to make it clear to you, look, the fact of the matter is what we have to do is make sure that everybody is prepared better to go on to educate for an education.
1: Yeah. Um, Swalwell is probably not the guy to advance the argument. He's 38 years old, by the way. Um and he was born in nineteen eighty. He's not a bright guy. no one seems to know really why he's running. This is the guy who stands on stage all the time is we're we're like we're we're like the Avengers and the other guys they're like they're they're from that other other movie franchise that's just not so cool we're but we're the Avengers guys 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 yeah it it's he's not playing very well, not playing very well at all and Do black voters really want to pass the torch? By the way, um, that polling out from Democracy Corps about Joe Biden going up uh, 18 percentage points among black voters, his favorability ratings, uh, Pete Butterjudge, his favorability ratings went down 10%. Do you know why his favorability rating went down 10%? Listen to this from Butterjudge. We've got to talk about one other thing, because the Republican Party likes to cloak itself in the language of religion. Now our party doesn't talk about that as much, largely for a very good reason, which was we are committed to the separation of church and state, and we stand for people of any religion and people
0: of no religion, but we should call out hypocrisy when we see it. And for a party that associates itself with Christianity, to say that it is okay to suggest that God would smile on the division of families at the hands of federal agents that God would
1: condone putting children in cages has lost all claim to ever use religious language again. Has lost all claim to ever use religious language. You see, there's a problem with Pete Buttigieg. He's gay. And you may not have a problem with that. In fact, if you're white, the odds are you don't have a problem with that. But Pete Buttigieg is an Episcopalian and gay and has uh, issues with uh, police issues in the black community in South Bend, Indiana, and all of those things pile up with black voters not like any. See, White voters in this country, including Republicans, you need to understand that this is uh, I know there is there is the the thought out there that that Republicans don't like gay as well. You know, a lot of Republicans are traditional conservatives and they don't support gay marriage e- even after the Supreme Court. But it's not like they actually hate uh, gay people. And black voters don't hate gay people, but there is a lot of polling, a lot of data out there. That suggests black voters are and Hispanic voters are deeply socially conservative and white voters of this country are actually far more warm to the idea of supporting someone who is openly gay for the presidency than black or Hispanic voters. You add into that uh, Buttigieg's rhetoric on Christianity that essentially socially conservative people have no claim to call themselves Christians because they're not tolerant. Add into that uh, his issues with the police in South Bend, Indiana, and you've got a real problem with him alienating black voters. I mean, I, I, I please don't misunderstand me here in this comparison, but, but th- there is to a degree uh, conservative social evangelicals in 2012 A lot of them stayed home because they couldn't wrap their mind around voting for a Mormon when most socially conservative evangelical Christians do not consider Mormons to be Christians. Mormons consider themselves to be Christians. Most socially conservative evangelicals do not. Now, by the time they got to 2016, these same people thought they were in an existential crisis and the Democrats were coming to destroy their families and and force their kids to transition into the opposite sex. So they, they held their nose and went with Trump, many of them. But you still have this reticence in minority communities to go with people even though they vote for candidates who are socially liberal when they have progressive candidates attacking conservative christianity they hear those people attacking them too and that's what Buttigieg has been doing and on addition to that they see him letting his police force in south bend attack them as well and that's problematic I mean, this is this is a problem that the Democrats are ultimately going to have to face, and, and probably not against Donald Trump, if we're honest about it. Uh, there, Hispanic voters actually like Donald Trump more than the media gives them credit. But black voters really don't. But as the Democrats become more white and more progressive and more atheist— they're gonna have a moment where black and Hispanic voters start looking for someone else to vote for, if they're not careful. And uh, but a judge is indicative of that. The hostility in the first night of the debate is indicative of that. Marion Williamson is indicative of that 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 woman's nuts. Uh, I, I unfortunately do not have any audio from Marion Williamson, and and again, a lot of this has to do with the way the Democratic Party and MSNBC controlled the content of the debate, making it very hard for anyone to get a lot of sound bites out of the out of the debate. Many of the sound bites that we've had to get are from replays on MSNBC uh, to be able to get the actual audio. It's just – but uh, that woman's crazy, and she got on stage. And what's so interesting is the number of people who went out of their way to try to find out more about her when the debate was over. This um, pop psychology, secular um, occultism that she's part of, the spirituality movement on the left. She's a this woman is nuts, and yet she got on the debate stage with a bunch of other nuts, and I'm really surprised. Well, I'm not really surprised about it. I think the 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 moderators did their best to be respectful while also not treating her like a legit candidate. But they really should have let her talk about fluoride in the water, and they really probably should have let her like engage on chemtrails and see what she said about them. And they didn't. I thought it was a missed opportunity for com- comedy gold, but. Then, of course, they were trying to have a serious debate. Any of you up in Hall County in the Flowery Branch area, um, the the Chick-fil-A in Flowery Branch, uh, tell Logan Simmons, job well done. Logan Simmons is a teenager who works at Chick-fil-A uh, the Flowery Branch location, and uh, WSB TV has the story he jumped through the drive-thru window to save a six-year-old who was choking. Uh, somehow or another, uh, the child's seatbelt got wrapped around his neck, and he couldn't get it around away from around his neck. And, and the mother was in the drive-thru and was screaming for help. Uh, Logan Simmons heard her screams for help and knew the quickest way to get to the car was through the drive-through window. So he dro- dove through the drive-through window, got to the car, and pulled out his pocket knife and cut the seatbelt out from around the boy's neck. Um, good for him. Uh, <laughs> Chick-fil-A workers, man. I got to tell you, there's nothing like them. I-, I was speaking to Chick-fil-A at the airport on. Thursday morning, my flight to San Francisco on th- on Thursday morning. What I guess that's a, yeah, it was yesterday. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I've had three hours of sleep. Um, I, I got out there yesterday at noon and got on a flight uh, 6 a.m. their time. I got to bed, gosh, 3 a.m. our time. Just, I, I did not have a lot of I did not have a lot of sleep. I basically slept um, three hours. Uh, Got up at 3 a.m. their time to get to the airport for a 6 a.m. flight this morning. But uh, the Chick-fil-A in the Atlanta airport in the A concourse was just slammed, absolutely slammed on Thursday morning. And I thought all these airports around the country that say they don't want this because they're closed on Sunday, they do more business in a week, in six days, than many of the other restaurants will do in seven. I mean, they will take... Seven days worth of business and, and get it in six days, five days, really. I mean, the spillover effect. I mean, you, you got to look at this right now. The date on Chick-fil-A, they are now the number three fast food restaurant in America, even though they have less chains than McDonald's and Starbucks is on the list, ahead of them, I believe. I think it's Starbucks is number two now. Um, KFC, uh, Burger King, Wendy's, they're all down the list now. And Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. And still, they outperform every other fast food company in America except two. It's really phenomenal. It it really is. And and their employees are just fantastic. So um, thank you, Logan Simmons in Hall County, for knowing what to do, for, for being responsible and quick acting and Saving a Child up there at the Flowery Branch Chick-fil-A location. Now, when we come back, I'm going to take more of your phone calls on the debate. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. But we got to talk about the Supreme Court as well. It's Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News. Welcome. The phone number, if you would like to be a part of the show, 404 872 750 1 800 WSB Talk. We got a, a few sprinkles out there. Nothing really significant you need to know about, actually. Uh, you got to go all the way up to Dahlonega, really, to find any sort of significant rain on the radar. So there we, we have it, headed into this weekend. We need to move on from the Democratic and I'll circle back to it. I, I still had some audio I wanted to play, but I, I wanted to talk about the Supreme Court, uh, two big cases out of the Supreme Court. One of those cases uh, garnered a lot of attention on the left, and that is the gerrymandering case. And we need to spend a little bit of time talking about it because it's so badly distorted because of partisanship. Um, it, it was very bizarre yesterday flying out San Francisco. the I uh, actually had got Wi-Fi on the plane. I knew the decisions were coming. I wanted to see them. And it, it was very interesting to me to see Democrats melting down over the gerrymandering case for a number of reasons, but one of them is the Democrats wanted the Republican nominated Supreme Court to have the power to draw congressional lines. Think about that for a minute they wanted republicans to be activists and take power for the court to draw district lines which by the way would not work for the democrats Their logic here was so bizarre that the Republican-nominated Supreme Court, the five justices of the Supreme Court nominated by Republicans, were activists by saying, hey, the court doesn't have the power to do this. Now, this is par for the course for the modern Democratic Party. Any rule that works against the Democrats is considered illegitimate. Uh, the, the electoral college is illegitimate. The Supreme Court saying it doesn't have the power to do something is illegitimate uh, because the Democrats know they can typically run to court and get the court to do something for them that uh, they can't get elected politicians to do. I mean, look at gay marriage for just one example. Uh, they, they ran to court majority of people in majority of states said they didn't want it. So they ran to court and got it overturned and, and that was fine. And now suddenly the Supreme court is anti-democratic. Well, the Supreme court was anti-democratic on that too. And they were fine with that. They're only upset with this because it hurts them politically. They think, and it doesn't actually, can I set the stage for you, please let, let, let's go beyond the, the garbage spin on this. The Democrats did very badly in 2010, in the elections uh, Barack Obama as president was deeply unpopular and the Democrats did badly and as a result Republicans were able to draw the lines for the decade and that hurt Democrats more but up until 2010 when Republicans were able to do that by and large Democrats were the ones doing it in Georgia in the year 2001 Democrats drew some very bizarre congressional districts and state house and state Senate districts. and they were thrown out by federal judges largely because in order to do it, Democrats had to manipulate uh, black voter populations. And courts threw those districts out. Now those districts would probably still stand. what's very interesting here is that the Supreme Court ruling 5 to four says that uh, partisan gerrymandering is beyond the purview of the court. But racial gerrymandering is not beyond the purview of the court still. Uh, So they can still engage on that issue, and I suspect you'll find Democrats engaging on that, although Republicans now can plausibly say, uh, we've lumped all black voters into particular districts because black voters vote overwhelmingly Democrat. Therefore, this is partisan gerrymandering, not racial gerrymandering. And they will have a plausible argument under this opinion from the Supreme Court. Let me just describe for you some of the districts that the Democrats... Shaped in 2001 in Georgia. The 11th Congressional District, I, I ran a campaign there. Phil Gingry beat the guy I was running and served in Congress for a number of years. The 11th Congressional District covered parts of Cobb County and then followed the interstate uh, to Harrelson County on the Alabama line and went up to chatuga County and then down to uh, the Walter F. George Reservoir, the big lake that the Chattahoochee forms between Alabama and Georgia. And it connected the island land masses to go all the way down to um, the bottom end of Muskogee County and then loop around on itself to the point that so the 8th congressional district was this amoeba shape and it crossed into the 11th district. You could literally jump from Heard County into Troop County over one congressional district back into the one you left when you jumped. I mean, there was just a a walking path's distance cutting the one district into the other. That was on the congressional district. You also had this other bizarre district, the 12th congressional district, that stretched from basically St. Simons all the way up to Clark County. By taking, I mean, you had parts of individual counties, very few whole counties involved all the way up to Clark County. On the state legislative side, just just consider for a minute the 16th state senate district that the Democrats drew. It went from Columbus, Georgia on the Alabama line all the way to Macon in the middle of the state. To drive that state senate district took two hours. There was also the 20th state senate district that included two members, a multi-member district. Or my other favorite, uh, this one's just bizarre. The twenty-fourth state senate district. It went from Augusta to Macon up to McDonough. Picture that in your head. It went from Augusta over and down to Macon, and then up to McDonough, the Locust Grove area at least. That those are the districts that the Democrats drew. And it's really rich for the Democrats to come out and say that they're opposed to partisan gerrymandering. This is unconstitutional. When Democrats, particularly in the South, as they were losing control, it's what they did to try to hang on to power. And now the rule works against them. It's the Republicans. You see, even with these districts drawn this way, the Democrats in Georgia could not stem the tide. Uh, The Democrats in Georgia could not. Uh, cause stop Republicans from taking over, even drawing the districts this way. Huge wave came through, swept the Democrats out of the power. The Republicans probably redrew the lines. A court threw out the lines for various problems, uh, one man one vote issues. And what happened? Well, now the Democrats they hate redistricting. It is total, complete opportunism on the Democratic side. But again, this is what I don't get about the Democrats arguing this. They, they've they now allowed a Supreme Court precedent with five Republicans and nominated conservative justices saying there is never going to be a justiciable issue on partisan gerrymandering. If they had just understood and recognized that 2010 was was caused by a deeply unpopular Democratic president. And they'll make it all back up after 2020 if the Democrats win, because if the Democrats win the White House, they'll probably win a lot of state legislatures back. They'll be able to do the same thing. Now they've got themselves a win. They just needed to be patient. Instead, this works against them in the Midwest and the South, where Republicans will probably hang on. They'll be able to further marginalize Democrats. But they just couldn't be patient and wait. And, well, now they'll be stuck with it with the Supreme Court precedent. But what about the census case? Because a lot of conservatives are upset about that one, and they shouldn't be. I want to explain why when we come back. <laughs> Welcome, Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Someone went through Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's Twitter feed. Turns out, just five months ago, she was tweeting that there's no crisis at the border, it's all manufactured, there is no humanitarian issue at the border, Um, the Border Patrol is saying there aren't a lot of people crossing the border. She was saying all of this just a few months ago, and now suddenly has gone to concentration camp. She, she's just not a very bright person. And her uh, campaign chair, I guess it was, uh, lashed out at the Democrats on stage at the first debate. Uh, making or Not at not Democrats on the first debate. It was Democrats voting for the um, legislation to help ease the suffering of, of the people coming across the border, it just a very very bizarre situation with her. She's so what's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get there. She's just so so bizarre. The things that she says, um, it, it just and and now she's upset, of course, with some of the Democrats on stage for not going far enough. When everybody else is thinking, "Wow, these people have gone super far. They they went super far on on illegal immigration. Wanted to give health care for all." When we will get there, but I I want to circle back to. The Supreme Court census case real quick. Uh, A lot of conservatives upset with John Roberts, and I think what they forget is that John Roberts takes his job as chief justice very, very, very seriously and wants to keep it above the partisan fray. Uh, So you, you see things like take the Obamacare case. Roberts came up with a justification that no one on the court wanted. Uh, Roberts said that the, the um, individual mandate was a tax, and so it was okay under the tax power, and therefore Obamacare was okay under the tax power. Uh, no one else argued that. Uh, all four of the liberal justices said it was a Commerce Clause thing and Congress could do it. Uh, the four con- other conservatives on the court said, no, no, this is unconstitutional. Roberts wanted a way to preserve it and then stack the deck to make it easy for a Romney-led Republican Congress. With Romney in the White House to get rid of it. He was too clever by half. Romney didn't get elected and the thing collapsed. But now there's a case moving forward where because the individual mandate is gone, uh, a judge in Texas has thrown out Obamacare saying it's no longer constitutional because that's gone. Well, the same thing with the census case. If you read it, John Roberts, the census case is the Trump administration wants to ask uh, people on the census, if you're an American citizen, every country on earth that asks, the takes a census, asked the question for citizenship purposes and the United States does not. And Trump wants to put the question back on. The Justice Department said, eh, maybe the Commerce Department said absolutely. They went to court and Wilbur Ross, the Commerce Secretary, screwed up the case. And Roberts is trying to save him from himself. I'll explain when we come back. Derek Erickson here, the phone number if you would like to be a part of the program this evening is 404 wsb talk just so you know if you're north of the city there is a little bit of rain in the Roswell area between Roswell and Alpharetta, um, off of 400 it, it's up, um, what is that 41 that runs up through Roswell? Um, you got some sprinkles there. You've also got some sprinkles near the Brave Stadium, uh, Sun Trust Park. I, 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 listen, I will never, never refer to that as truest stadium or truest park. That is such a ridiculously stupid name. Uh, they should keep it SunTrust Park um, the or, or name it Hank Aaron Field or something or um, Bobby Cox name something. The, the, this truest name with BB&T and Sun Trust. stupid, 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 stupid. I can't believe they paid marketing people uh, the amount of money they undoubtedly paid to come up with a stupid name like that, um, but that's another story. At least they're being sued, so it holds it off for now. Um, I want to go back to the census issue. I didn't mean to get on that. It's stupid. Uh, <laughs> It really is, though. Such a stupid name. Uh, My 10-year-old could come up with a better name than that. Um, I digress. In the census case, what happened is all the conservatives, John Roberts included, said that the asking whether or not someone is a citizen is perfectly permissible and fully under the discretion of the Commerce Secretary. But then Roberts said, uh, but wait a minute, we got to send this back for review. Why did he do that? I would submit to you, this is not about Roberts trying to kill the census question. This is about John Roberts being an institutionalist. And uh, Wilbur Ross, the commerce secretary, is not a not, not a man who anyone in the administration says very much kind about. And he screwed up the case. He presented implausible statements to court as to why the why the question came up. And those statements from Wilbur Ross did not align with the written documentation of why the question came up. But listen, there is no question that there was evidence presented in court that uh, Wilbur Ross wanted to rush this through, get it on the census, because he thought this question could be used in some way to help Republicans with redistricting. Now, the Democrats have extrapolated that to mean help them by suppressing the number of minorities and immigrants who answered the question. That's not necessarily the case. But Ross, in his in his testimony, contradicted the writings, and so what John Roberts essentially did is said we got to send this back to the lower court, and the Commerce Secretary needs to explain why his his written statements contradict his oral testimony, and here are the explanations he could use. Hint, hint, hint. I mean, basically, what John Roberts was saying is, guys, stop being inept. You can do this. You, the Commerce Secretary has the power to do this. Just respect the process enough not to lie in court and then think we're going to bail you out. That's what it was. It's not John Roberts siding with liberals saying you can't ask this question. I, I suspect Roberts will allow the question and probably in time for the census. He just wanted Wilbur Ross to go through the motions and not just sit around and lie and expect John Roberts in the Supreme Court to bail him out because of five conservatives on the Supreme Court. So I think conservatives are overreacting to Roberts. I understand it, and I don't think that's Roberts' role. I would have gone with the other conservatives and said, yeah, go on and ask the question. We've already decided that this is absolutely legally permissible. But he didn't want to do that. And okay, he didn't. Well, let's see what Roberts does from here on out with this issue. I suspect he's going to allow it. Can I talk about Marion Williamson real quick? Marion Williamson is the uh, spiritualist who is running for president of the Democratic Party. She was able to get enough small-dollar donors. She needed to get 60,000 small-dollar donors to get her on the first debate stage, and she did, and she's insane. Let me read you a tweet from Marion Williamson. The, these tweets are now coming up. things She's written for years on Twitter um, without anything really, really coming up about it until now. She's a Democratic candidate on stage at a presidential debate with the former vice president of the United States. Listen to this. Your body... Is merely your space station from whence you beam your love to the universe. Don't just relate to the station, relate to the beams. You're scratching your head now aren't you? What did you just hear? Let me repeat this. Your body is merely your space station from whence you beam your love to the universe. Don't just relate to the station, relate to the beams. Here we go. I mean, it's perfect. She's a Democrat. She's got another word salad. Uh, She's like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and all of her word salads. It's just simply bizarre. And now,
0: Deep Thoughts by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Capitalism has not always existed in the world. It will not always exist in the world. When this country started, we were not a capitalist nation. That was Deep Thoughts
1: by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I've been telling you guys for a while now about my Quip electric toothbrush, how much I like it. Yes, to answer your question, I actually have used it well before they started sponsoring this podcast or even my radio show. I like the Quip. I like the Quip because I bought one of those $99 fancy electric toothbrushes several years ago, and it was crap. I mean, it really was crap. Uh, The brush head was tiny, uh, but it was designed on such a head that was so big I couldn't get it to the back of my mouth. You had to take a charger with it. It it, it was a garbage, terrible design. It would pay $99 for something like that. And the Quip's only $25, and you can tell it was designed by designers. It is that great. Well, they've now got one for the kids. It is the same great two-minute timer. It pulses every 30 seconds, so they can move it around their mouth. They can brush just like a grown-up, but it's kid-sized, kid-friendly, still well-designed by Denison designers together. I cannot recommend the Quip enough. I have tried the super cheap $3 battery powered ones at the grocery store. I've tried the $99 super expensive ones. Y'all, the Quip is the best toothbrush I've ever used. I hope it will be for you as well. I love it. Now, it starts at $25 if you go to getquip.com slash Eric right now. You'll even get your first brush head refill pack for free. What's that? Well, every three months you get a new brush head to keep your brush heads. Great. Uh, Otherwise, they're 5 bucks. But you know what? Every three months you get it for five bucks the first one though you get for free go to getquip.com that's dot com slash eric i just i i need to read these to you Th- these are worth reading These are tweets by Marianne Williamson, who was on the presidential debate stage, embarrassing the Democratic Party last night. Everyone feels on some level like an alien in the world, because we are aliens in the world. We come from another realm of consciousness and long for home. The real you is not a body. Your body is merely a suit of clothes. Physical birth was not your beginning, and physical death is not your end. She's also very into angels Uh, during the uh, oil spill, you know, the BP oil spill in the Gulf coast, uh, in the Gulf of Mexico, she wrote visualize the oil spill plugged, close your eyes for five minutes and see angels coming over it, filling it with sane and sacred thoughts. The power of your mind is greater than the power of nuclear radiation. Visualize angels dispersing it into nothingness. Let's see angels surrounding nuclear reactors, pouring cold water over them, keeping radiation from escaping into the atmosphere. That was during the Fukushima nuclear meltdown with the earthquake. And she also... (laughs) Posting angels along the entire East Coast. See legions of them in miracles galore. We should start sending light posting angels around all polling places. Massive force field needed to counter voter intimidation efforts. This is this these are the actual tweets of a woman who was on a debate stage for a Democratic presidential debate. Humanity needs a mental shower. We need to wash off all prejudices of the 20th century and stand naked beneath the waters of eternal truth. This woman is just crazy. You know the only the only thing crazier than her? Well, listen to some of this stuff. And
0: now, Deep Thoughts by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. This idea of like... better from garbage? It's like that shouldn't be what we settle for. It's like this like it feels like moderate is not a stance, it's just an attitude toward life like meh.
1: That was Deep Thoughts by Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Now compare that to Marianne Williamson. Your mind is like an airplane, and you are the pilot. Rise above the clouds, fly above the turbulence, seek a smoother ride, and have a good weekend.